I need to remind you guys about my Patreon. If you head over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide, you can find the FIG Patreon where subscribers pay a monthly fee for early access, private and premium content, as well as access to the FIG Discord. £3, £5, £8 and £12 tiers, all with a 15% discount if you go for the yearly options and a load of people are enjoying it. Over 90 members so far and growing every week. Head over to patreon.com forward slash FI guide for more info. The Football Index podcast is supported by footballindextrader.co.uk, the best site for in-depth scouting and trading strategy. I know FIT is currently spending 30 to 40 hours a week on scouting alone and members get updates covering every match day across all five leagues and European competition too. With the market finally reacting to on-pitch action rather than off-field distractions, it's crucial to know who is in and out of form if we want to have the best results. If you want to see more and exclusive offer for podcast listeners, you can give the site a try with the 25% discount on your first month with the code FIG25. That's FIG25 over on footballindextrader.co.uk. Here's the legal stuff from Football Index. FI is a gambling product available to customers in certain territories aged 18 or over. The content of this podcast has not been approved by Football Index, but they do listen to the show to keep me on my toes. Please remember to only gamble what you can afford to lose. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Hello and welcome back to the Figcast episode 168. Um, in the last episode, I was joined by FI Strategist, which was a really awesome episode. Go check that one out. Um, talked a lot to do with you know his experience on the trader panels, um, recycling in play dividends, trading strategies at the moment, his thesis and and uh, where he sees football index in the future. And on the last Fitcast Extra, I was joined by Dunwell as a replacement for Panda, and it was the best Fitcast Extra to date. Panda, I'm so sorry, mate. Um, it it you know of course lacked a bit bit of uh, wwe intro music but uh, nonetheless was a great episode and recently released a video on market makers which was hosted by fi boise it was actually for the fig patreon a webinar but uh, i decided to take that out of the paywall put it out on youtube because i thought it was really really awesome and a lot of amazing feedback on that already so do go check that out on youtube just go on my channel or just type in football index market makers and you'll find it on youtube um today i'm joined by ginge index um how are you doing mate I'm going to get sued at some point. The 15 seconds is up. Hey, Freak, how are you? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. What the hell was that? <laughs> well, I didn't want to necessarily copy other well-known podcasters, but I just thought it would be a nice icebreaker to... Um, play some music because I know how much you enjoy the wrestling music and <laughs> you know the Spice Girls um, I view as like they're really ahead of their time and um, I thought this song in particular would be very apt for football index and the current market status mm. so I don't know if you're actually listening to the lyrics just then so I was not no I kind of just put my fingers in my ears the whole time that that happened <laughs> the race is on to get out of the bottom so obviously that needs a little explaining considering football index prices are trying to get out of the bottom. Um, the top is high, so your roots are forgotten. 
Um, if you look at Sancho, fifteen pounds, and Bruno Mbappe, eleven pound, the top is high. Um, giving is good as long as you're getting. So clearly, that's a reference to uh, order books. And um, what's driving you is ambition on betting. So this is probably a reference to the fact that football index is a betting product and not a financial product. And then just finally, who do you think you are? This is going to be my question to you, even though I'm a debutant. So I thought it'd be a nice icebreaker after you said that you didn't know anything about the Spice Girls. Brilliant. I mean, look, I'm all for learning. It's always great to learn. And uh, here we are. You know, 2020 has been filled for me. The highlights, learning about wrestling and, and the Spice Girls, clearly that's those have been the two peaks of it. Good, so I'm glad to hear it. And <laughs> but on a serious note, before we begin, I wanted to say a couple of thank yous. Um, so firstly, thank you very much for inviting me onto your show. Um, I've been listening for, what, the last nine months now. And like, the intelligence level and insight provided by nearly all of your guests has been incredible. And it's been a key part of my football index journey and development. And I'm really humbled that you've invited me on to show a mere deluded fan from Arsenal Fan TV. <laughs> and uh, secondly, I wanted to thank in particular you and Panda. I'm a big fan of the show and I, I hope I speak on behalf of the whole community or the listeners just to thank you both for 2020 and the countless hours that you've both put in. Um, so I think 2020 has been a really hard year in terms of, you know, obviously COVID and FI and everything. Um, but you two have um, been very reassuring for me personally and provided a lot of insights. And I know that you both have um, the best interests of the platform at heart and not your own portfolios. And I think the community and football index are very lucky to have you both. I think you're both great ambassadors for the index. I know some people disagree, but that's my opinion. And I've seen you both go out of your way to like help people and new users, even if it's of no benefit to you. So I thought that, that should be recognised. So well done. Thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate those kind words. Uh, look, people can have their own opinions. I, I don't mind. You know, we're not going to be everyone's cup of tea on this podcast, and you know that's that's kind of how content works in, in general. But um, I suppose it's uh, it's just trying to make as many people happy and trying to um, get as many people to get value from the podcast as possible. But I mean, you, you reference your football index journey there. Why don't we start there? Um, What's that Sorry, been just, like? Just, go on, by go the on. Way, um, now that we've got the nice stuff out of the way, can we just confirm how much I'm being paid for this? Because I've seen a few conspiracy theories on uh, Twitter, and I think we've agreed like four hundred pounds, <laughs> and with it raising to five hundred pounds, depending on depending on how many listeners it gets. Content. But yeah, exactly, and also thirty three percent of any losses that people make after I do some pumps. It's yeah. actually it's actually specifically mine and Is Panda's right? losses. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I'll do my best. Yeah, so it's 400 to 500 rising, depending on listeners, and also 33% of mine and Panda's losses for the next 12 months, which is, you know, again, pretty good deal, if we, especially if we lose loads of money, right? <laughs> I can't believe some of the rubbish that people come up with. And this, this is actually in reference to one of the questions that's coming up later on about um, social media and everything. Um, so, you know, you, people are just fishing for... A reaction and i'll just yeah. to them i i do you know what i find it's not like the toxicity because i can i can deal with like a flippant comment it's like the the continuous like constant nature of it it's like i don't know how like a grown man or woman has that much time on their hands that they can sit on twitter there all day or any other forum and kind of just like 
constantly snipe at someone. It's really weird. Like I, I dislike a lot of people, right? Like any other normal person, but I don't think I'd go out of my way to consistently like, uh, try and like, you know, just irritate them and be mean to them. It's a bit weird. I find it really, really weird. I was going to reference this in my answer to the question later, but take it as a compliment. If you were not relevant or you weren't successful, or you weren't well-known or you weren't doing really well, you wouldn't have any haters or you wouldn't have snipers on Twitter <laughs> and everything. So it's part of the territory. You know, the bigger you get, the more haters you'll get, unfortunately. Um, you have to yeah. take a pinch of salt. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, um, you know, th- those people clearly don't have anything to do better with their time, which I feel really bad well, we for. Are because. So. yeah but even even so you know lockdown not out of lockdown i mean families kids you know uh bills to pay i'm sure these people have things to do but they choose to invest their time uh really strangely and i, I honestly really feel bad for them so there mm. we are um but yeah let's let's get back right, to it i better introduce myself considering about five minutes into the podcast <laughs> introduce yourself and give us your football okay. index background okay so i work in a city law firm Obviously, keeps me very busy and been working from home for the last nine months, which has been going pretty well, to be honest with you, from a professional's perspective. Um, can get through a large volume of work uninterrupted and have a much better work-life balance. And you know, been working out a lot and you know, just feeling very good and healthy. But yeah, more relevant to FI. What do I do outside of work um, and the gym, etc.? So, I was a diehard Arsenal fan for thirty years. Um, was oh no, yeah. Uh, the key word was. Um, I was a home and away season tick holder for just under twenty years, um, but that's uh, previous life, and I feel that chapter's pretty closed now. Um, some people might better remember me as the deluded ginger fan that supported Arsenal Wenger on Arsenal fan TV. And <laughs> I'm afraid to admit that yes, that is me. Um, <laughs> For some reason, I decided it would be a good idea to go on there for four years between, I think it was 2013 when it started, to 2017 when it really built and blew up. And yeah, I mean, it was fun the first two years. It actually went really well. And so I I was basically turned into the equivalent of a Z-list celebrity, similar to a Big Brother contestant who's (laughs) achieved some sort of fame just by no having no talent, just putting their mug in front of a camera and giving an opinion, um, which is ironic because those are the type of people that I've always complained about and I became one of them. So I was getting like 50k to 100k views a week on the videos. And, but yeah, more, more important than that, I, the positive side, I made a lot of new friends um, from, through Arsenal and uh, personal development wise, a few, you know, I really improved my like, public speaking skills and my interpersonal skills and yeah, it was it was weird. It was weird for a few years. It was like I was just getting mobbed in every game. Like people asking for selfies and coming up to chat and shake hands and everything. On well, match days, was a completely new experience for me. And this is the same for you know the other. I'm nothing special. It's the same for the other. Like there was probably a group of five or six regulars during the golden era. And yeah, it was golden like era. walking. Well, I know that's like a loose when it blew up. Basically, I'm not. I'm not proud of it. It's more uh, it's the rise from nothing when it was getting like 10 to 50 views to like a million views you know and the number of becoming mainstream and it it did shake up the um the media industry in terms of punditry you know um because people were were bored with um 
you know, Alan Shearer and Danny Murphy commenting about their club when they know nothing about, not therefore, but like fans. No, 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 it's true. They know, they know so little, you know, you know like, and that's what, like. I'm I'm ashamed of the fact that, you know, of all the sensationalism, yeah, and the fake outrage and the playing up for the camera. I didn't like that, but I, what I did like was that fans had been given a platform to um, express their views. And that was part of my motivation for going on in the first place, is to have to engage and chat. It's normally after a game, you know, if you're with a friend and whatever, it's, you might chat, but it's like you go to the game and then that's it. But it provides far more engagement, like chatting and, you know, hearing other people's thoughts, etc. So, yeah, it was good for the first couple of years. And, um, yeah, it was, it was weird being some sort of well-known ginger guy walking around, even on like non-match days, like just going to the supermarket and on holidays and stuff like that. It's people coming up to me. But yeah, the latter two years is where it started to go sour. So basically I said that Mustafa was better than Van Dyke and I never recovered from that. <laughs> and also said... Um, that was fishing though, right? Obviously. <laughs> if people take it seriously. Um, and yeah, my other big mistake was that I said... Um, Rest in peace, RIP to the WOB with the finger out the gate. Yeah. And the the um the dads of Arsenal fan base did not take too kindly to that. <laughs> and I was a hunted man. And yeah, it was I said that I was an off the cuff remark. Like when we were top of the league after beating Stoke, I think it was 2016, December, we were looking good. And then we proceeded to lose the next two games and play like utter shit for the rest of the season. And so yeah, I but the thing is, you can't. You have to. You can't just hide. You've got to show your face and show a bit of, um, you know, bravery and you know. But like, yeah. And so the final straw was when um, uh, we drew away to Bournemouth three all, and after being three 0 down, I said I was buzzing, and then the whole world went apoplectic at me. Metro ran an article about how deluded I was. And other stuff as well. And yeah, it's just getting going to the match game way too hostile. And um, I decided to, I mean, we're going to this bit, but I set up a, like a charity page where people could vote to get me off uh, the fan channel. And it would be, it'd been on my mind for quite a long time to use my platform for something better rather than just, you know, expressing my football views. And so um, I had no idea how to do it in terms of, you know, how to get people to motivate you know pay money to a charity and then I just had a light bulb moment basically on the train to Preston away in the FA Cup I think it was 2017 I just thought okay people can donate if they get to 5k I'll leave Arsenal fan TV mm. and so I set it all up in a coffee shop in Preston and uh, sent the link on my video and then it, and it was basically uh, went off like fire that night and raised 1k on that Saturday evening, 2k by the end of the weekend, and then 5k within a week, and I was gone. Amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, look, money well spent for it's those so, fans, and you raised money Kansas for a good cause. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And but yeah, to be honest, the, I mean, this will go back to what I might say later about the the trolls thing. 95% of those donations were actually from people that were part of my fan base. So I was I was basically the finger of Arsenal fan. I had a fan base, but also had a massive like uh set of detractors as well and um, but doesn't doesn't everyone right like we were yeah, discussing that earlier everyone yeah. has that like yeah no one is universally liked no um, exactly Ex- otherwise it's, the world wouldn't david be what it Beck- is look at david beckham or anyone any celebrity that's popular they'll also have 
like detractors. And so, yeah, it is what it is. Mm. But enough about that. That's the chapter. Of my, I'm not proud of it, but, you know, I'll talk about it with you because it's funny. And, you know, there are positives out of it as well. But um, more relevant, let's talk about FI. And, yes. And relevant to that. So it's, it's probably high time we start doing that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it is a Football Index podcast, right? It is. <laughs> so other outside of work, I'm a keen FPL player. Um, I've had quite a few top finishes. Like I'm in the top 10K at the moment out of 8 million. Um, Betting-wise, I have a background in most sports, but particularly football and golf. And golf, I nearly became a pro golfer when I was 18, but for some strange reason, I decided to go and study law at university. Um, but yeah, so I've been betting on golf for the last 10 years successfully. And yeah, that has led to basically all of my accounts being shut down or heavily restricted. Um, and so this is all part of the journey to FI. And the reason is why it appealed to me. So firstly, um, as you may have already guessed, I'm interested in like a second form of income. And I know that betting isn't a second an, an income, but it's like it's a way to make money potentially. Um, so I was of that I'm of the risk reward mindset rather than plowing all my money into a you know um, uh, ISO or whatever and I've always been intrigued by like the stock market but there was a couple of reasons why I never um, like started you know, trading shares so firstly and most importantly I'm precluded from doing so because of my job and um, so it's automatically a no-go to trade on the stock market but secondly even if that wasn't the case I wouldn't back myself to be a like a Goldman Sachs trader who's essentially got, um, you know, a load of software and, uh, you know, training that I don't have. And so I decided at the start that wasn't a goer. And, yeah, so Football Index, uh, my first memory really is seeing an advert in 2019 from, I think it was John Watson, um, and he that sort of, made me look into it and it just seemed so complex at the time uh, was, I think it was October November 2019 there was I could be bothered um, it just seemed like a lot and the reward, reward seemed too small and I wasn't you know it didn't seem mainstream it seemed a bit niche but then um, yeah so I came back to look at it again in I think it was early March and um, I noticed that like the prices had rise I was like oh wow and it looks like there's some potential and I've, I'm always interested in using my football knowledge considering I live and breathe football you know every day uh, for like the last 30 years and I saw and that's so I decided right I'd had a break from betting for like six months because so I you know wanted to you know spend time on other areas of my life which I viewed as more important than making money but I decided to do a deep dive into football index and you know do my due diligence to see if I wanted to, you know, get into it further. And I saw all of the, like, the trusted review um, so, um, write-outs, which were amazing at the time, like five-star. I know that's very different now, but at the time, <laughs> the index was flying and it was, um, uh, everyone was loving it. And um, I also I looked on Twitter on the Football Index hashtag and I saw, like, the screenshots of people's portfolios. I think I remember... I think it was called Big Don at the time. He's called Little Don now, but Big Don was posting like, you know, big profit portfolios and dividend returns, etc. And it, you know, it wasn't just it. Everyone seemed a winner. Like, um, I know that you only post on social media if you win and that losers are not going to post their losses. But generally, the overall feeling was that 
everyone was a winner. And so it seemed like an obvious choice to, you know, give it a go. And um, so, yeah, it was the, one of the weekends in March where I just put, put a lump in like, after doing that, that trial period of a week. And um, you will laugh after waiting all that time. So if I had one game and then a few days later, COVID hit and the whole of the football got cancelled and the market crashed, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Everyone's been a winner for like eight years, like four years since it started. And the weekend I joined is the final weekend before football is cancelled. And it was like quite a chastening time because like there's a lot to learn on Football Index. You really need to monitor the market for at the very least a month or six weeks to really understand what drives the market. And not just that, just there's loads of stuff to learn, like so much. And you're not expected to know it all straight away. And with anything, you're going to learn more as you go along. But it's, it was very much thrown in the deep end, plus with COVID. And it was like, I, I mean, I understand how stock markets work. Obviously, any stock market is going to react to like the prospect of a pandemic very severely, but it was like, yeah, an interesting time. But then soon after the, you know, um, this price has started to recover, obviously. And from that moment onwards, when I, uh, I've absolutely loved it, and it's completely transformed my leisure life. And it's, I would say, it's my number one passion now, outside of, you know, in what I do in my recreational time. I love the intellectual challenge it provides. I know that sounds a bit stupid because it's just football. There's so much more. Like the platform itself, it requires a lot of analysis and um you know challenges in terms of you know trading and everything and it's really really enhanced my watching of football um so in two ways so the, the pb race to me is an amazing product uh, i know it's got its flaws don't trust me i know i've come second four times in a row on the pb like the last few days i'm <laughs> as frustrated as anyone else with the opta stuff and everything else but it's like i still recognize that the product is amazing and albeit i would make changes to it but it's like you know it's something that no other um company offers and so yeah there's that and also it's really enhanced my um knowledge and understanding and enjoyment of other leagues like mm. all i when i joined all i saw was adilu ashish yeah <laughs> it was ashish 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 like pumping him on Slack and Twitter, everything. I was like, who is this guy? I didn't even know who he was uh, like, and back in March. I think it just sucked. Um, only, he only came on to FI in January, didn't he? And everyone was pumping him. And, but yeah. The, um, the good old days. Uh, and yeah, so it really enhanced my enjoyment of other leagues. And the other thing I've really enjoyed is the FI community. Like, it's been, it's the most wonderful thing. Like, And it's, you're talking to someone that's come from the last 20 years or so of Arsenal fans. It's basically like comparing heaven and hell. Arsenal fans, probably the worst fan base in global football. Um, and it's like the FI community is so nice, intelligent, friendly, successful people in life. And it's like, I feel like I feel really comfortable in this environment. And I know that you said the other day, actually, I think in one of the pods that you feel sorry for anyone that's joined this year, but I feel the opposite. Hmm. and also I don't really care what the prices are at the moment the knowledge that I've built up over the last year has been priceless and so I'm hoping that stands me in good stead going forward you know and I've 
reviewing the year as a whole, I feel, I mean, there's one or two things I would have changed, but I feel like I've made like really good decisions and it's like, I can see the future potential of this platform and I'm really excited to be a part of it. So I've spoken for long enough now and I'll let you say some stuff. <laughs> no, it's really interesting. I think, um, of course, I-, I would probably say the concept is amazing. The product needs work. Um, that would be the 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 wording that I would have used. But I, I totally understand what you mean. Yeah, like it- it's a wonderful, wonderful idea um, that perhaps needs refinement and uh, progression to it to for it to reach its, its full potential. And I think um, the pandemic alongside all the book implementations has probably made a lot of people realize that and i think there are so many things that need to be worked on and there's a lot of work to do um but nonetheless if the concept holds true and if i stay uh to its roots of, of being this kind of long bet uh, long-term bet this more sustainable way to gamble uh compared to their traditional rivals i think it's going to be on to a winner really um and, and they've already been massively successful don't don't get me wrong i mean the best entrance entrant into the gambling market since betfair exchange right so i think they've been incredibly successful top tech companies and they were second on that and that's not a yeah. joke list so no. you know that's an independent opinion and um i've given my personal opinion on comparing the better i mean I'll, i was going to speak a bit more about this later when you asked me about why i'm positive about the five things there's there's many reasons to be. I feel like the negativity has gone over the board overboard now. It's way too it's, it's, if I The one thing I have learned about the community is, community is that um, it's very extremist, like short termism, and it's like over the top, either both ways. To be honest, like the sentiment is often too strong, and then now, now the sentiment is ridiculously weak, and it's not the reasons why are not justified in my opinion. It, isn't it a mixture of kind of like fatigue and negativity though that maybe uh accentuates it because i think i i do agree with you people always go overboard one way or another especially like when we saw prices dropping and people slag like calling for the heads of the ceo and, and other exec members and 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 stuff like that that on one end was way too extremist and and of course when positivity is kind of like oh you're never going to lose that's also too extremist but i I guess the sense now is like there's negativity but it's more combined with fatigue i suppose and i think that is probably what's showing through to me more so on social media than anything else i agree and also uh, one thing that has annoyed me during 2020 is i had enough to learn already back in march but there's been so many changes it just needs, and I, I think we're getting that period of stability now just because there's been no announcements, but there's, this year has basically been announcement index. I literally was going to um, change my Twitter profile to like a trader on announcement index because it was like, and it, was, it wasn't just announcements, it was announcements of announcements yeah. and people getting sentiment good or bad off that. And now I feel like I'm not betting on football anymore. And I'd, I, look, I, I know that speaking about the product is important, but this whole year has been spent by, you know, people on podcasts and everything and Twitter speaking about the product predominantly rather than actually footballers. And that's not fun to me. Yeah. I want Football Index to sort the product out. And I want us yeah. to, to, I want me and you to have an argument about Kimmich. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't want us to argue about VWAP. Do you know what I mean? It's that's yeah. not fun to me. I'd much rather, we're fans and we're 
customers and we should be debating which footballers to buy and not um, how to fix the mechanics. That should be FI's job. And that is a good, but there is a positive in that and that Football Index, obviously, um, they're getting this free consultancy from <laughs> extremely intelligent people. Um, so it, there is good and bad points, but the, the one, I'll say something controversial, but like, I think COVID has had more of an impact than people give credit for. Oh, it's absolutely. Not, it's not sexy for people to um, admit that COVID has made them slightly insecure about the future and like doing something risky like football index and gambling and everything. But I think consciously or subconsciously, that is a big issue because there's so much uncertainty in the world at the moment. And it's like... Even if you've got the money, you know, I think people forget they're in the middle of the pandemic as well. And Football Index, in my opinion, have done incredibly well during COVID. Uh, with the media monitor, like those, um, the first three months I joined were amazing in terms of, I know it sort of seems like a long time ago to you now, but think of the rises um, like Greenwood and Fodden, they were basically tracking each other all summer. Yeah. And it was like, it was, it was a great time to be on the index compared to what, considering what the world was going through uh, and how all other businesses were coping. I think it's, I, I know you'll say I'm silly, but I think it's been a great year for Football Index um, in, in many ways. I know it hasn't, there's a lot to resolve, but, um, and I realise that you're much more experienced than me in terms of you've been on since. 2015 or whatever but um i think that uh, the covid has had a knock-on effect on outside businesses relationships as well like people talking about liquidity and nasdaq and all of the other stuff but overall football index are like a five-year-old company and i think it's about time we gave them a break and they're still essentially a, a startup and they're not mainstream yet and they're not going to make perfect decisions and I don't know. I, I just think there's a lot of self-harm going on at the moment as well. So mm. all I ever see on the Football Index hashtag and the replies to the Football Index tweet, any tweet, even if it's a non-informed, if they're just announcing something like it's a Bonds Day, you'll get a load of people like swearing at them and demanding to know where liquidity is and all of that. And it's self-harm because if someone like me is looking into it and sees all of that, Plus, the trusted reviews site, I think, is taking a bashing now. Yeah, it's not going to make me want to come on, even if I'm really positive about it. Sure, but but like the trust review sites, for example, Trustpilot views that I don't think many people who still have money on FI are doing that. So that that's that's going to be that's going to be impossible to fix, right? Because you're going to have dissatisfied customers for good reason, I think. Um, a lot of them. I, by the way, I completely understand, and I agree with a lot of what's being said. But like, it's if you're still on the index, it's self harm to be. Oh yeah, in the no. public forum, and you're better off just sending an email to FI, who are very responsive to traders generally, and just saying your constructive criticism. Um, but to be honest, we've every man and his dog is giving this um their feedback to refi now and it, we have to trust the process i know that sounds a bit um you know like blind faith but like they've received all of the feedback and they are intelligent enough to know what to do with it based on the last five years i'm hoping and we also have to remember that they have a lot more at their disposal in terms of information and analytics than we do like they will have a lot of analysis on trader behavior and what is right and wrong for the platform 
Um, I know they've made a lot of bad decisions, but we still have to trust that they're much, we're outsiders. Even you, who's probably the most informed trader on in the whole of football index, you're still an outsider and you don't mm. really know what's going on behind closed doors. Um, and so that's why I think this thing, the one, the main thing stopping it at the moment is sentiment. And that's the easiest thing to get back. Uh, and I can see this thing flying when that sentiment returns, regardless of mechanics and everything. I know that the mechanics aren't so tough at the moment, but yeah, going back to the previous point regarding COVID, I, I can see things getting a lot better from Easter onwards, hopefully. Um, and it'll be good when it happens, but we'll see. I hope you're right. Let, let's let's see. Let's see. Um, I mean, before we get into some questions, some miscellaneous questions, which we might have to cut a couple of these out because there were so many and we're really 30 minutes in, I'm going to plug the State of Play podcast, my other podcast, all about the top five leagues in Europe and also the MLS, recently awarded the best new podcast at the Football Content Awards, which was pretty awesome. Thank you to those who voted. But go listen if you haven't already at State of Play Pod on Twitter and State of Play Podcast on all your podcast apps. Let's get into some of these. Um, Robbo from Twitter says, how do you cope with the abuse judgment uh, of you and AFTV from social media? Imagine it's quite hard. Um, yeah, go on. Let's start with that one. Just chuck me in right at the deep end, right, thank you. Um, so I'll answer this question from a personal perspective and, a, and also a general perspective because I suspect that they might be slightly different answers. So from a personal perspective, the first point I'll make is that I'm ginger and that I went to an all-boys school. And so I've got very thick skin and I'm naturally a very confident person and it takes a lot to rattle me. Um, I'm a pretty cool, calm, collected character and even in the face of like adversity or um, a lot of pressure. And to be honest, I, I enjoyed a lot of the internet memes and some of the trolling that made me laugh. Like, for example, even that, that Ozil take me out gift that I sent you to put underneath my bio, that's surely a sign that I, but one of my preferred forms of humor is self-depreciating humor. So if you're trying to get a reaction out of me, then it's probably near impossible. Um, and if someone just like, you know, messages me on YouTube or saying you ginger C word, I, that's meaningless to me. It's boring. It's just like, you know, can you not do better than that? It's, it's, you won't even get an acknowledgement. So there's that. And as we've already discussed, a lot of these trolls are just fishing and it's like their mouth is bigger than their trousers. And I can assure you in the four years on, on AFTV, I've got an absolute deluge of insults online. Not one person ever came up to me in person and said it to my face. Oh, of course. ample opportunity to do so. And I am quite a tall guy, and so maybe, uh, you know, they wouldn't do that if they spell like, Just generally, that's the type of people that you're dealing with. And so a lot of it was fake. And even the charity stuff that I did, like the people donating to that, as I said, they were, they were messaging saying, we want you to stay. And so, and there was literally no donations from any trolls. So take from that what you will. Um, and, you know, and just generally in life, like I actually welcome negative feedback. So because I learn a lot more and mm. I've developed, I feel like I've developed a lot just from watching my, you know, the way I speak to people on AFTV and generally, because you don't realize until you actually watch yourself on camera what you're like. And I was mm. like, you know, the difference between my first video and 
my last video is like chalk and cheese like but there's so much to learn just from watching yourself on camera like body language like promoting a positive welcoming you know person and like not interrupting someone listening well you know and actually responding to what they say and you know those, those are very underrated um communication skills and so you know there's that not that anyone trolled me on that but it's just I welcome and have learned a lot more in life from people telling me what I've done wrong rather than the first two years which is basically people saying how great I am blah 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 which I welcome which I obviously um you know is nice because it's validation that you're not a complete idiot but it's like you don't really learn anything from that um, and I think that's the point I want to make. The, there's a fine line between trolling and negative constructive feedback, and it's important to draw that line. And I feel that some people will probably not draw that line. They'll just categorise anything negative as trolling, and that shouldn't be the case. And to be honest, I probably deserve some of the trolling anyway, because I did say RIP to the WAB, which is probably a bit inflammatory and wasn't needed on reflection. Um, I didn't set out to upset anyone, but the angry dads obviously... Um, didn't take to it too well, but um, so I expect banter to be fired back at me, like joke wise and everything. But just generally, it is a, it is a serious issue in terms of people. I'm not, I'm, you know, other people are not going to be as thick skinned as me. And you know, um, as we already said when we were discussing it earlier, part of being well known or whatever you are, building a profile or whatever, is that you're going to increase the number of people that don't like you or don't like the fact that you're, you've got a profile and so they'll seek to get a rise out of you. And I've seen it with you right? and Panda and others and uh, like if someone's blatantly messaging you trying to get a rise out of you and you know, you can deal with it as you wish, but like my advice would be not to even rise or ownership. If you mm. give them oxygen, then they've automatically won regardless of what your response is. So, yeah. um, but it is a serious issue in terms of like men the mental health perspective and, you know, um, but I think that Twitter has done like a lot in the last couple of years to improve the platform, but there's obviously still more that can be done. But um, yeah, but just generally, the football and football index is such an opinionated subject. No one, it, the world would be a boring place if we all had the same opinion, and you just have to accept that you know people are going to disagree with you sometimes and not take kindly to you. Our next question is from FY Jack from the Fig Discord. Uh, how influential was AFTV in Wenger's demise? Um, I think, you know, we're almost 40 minutes in here. Like, we might have to whiz through these miscellaneous questions, but this is an interesting one. So, firstly, um, I don't really agree necessarily with the premise of the question um, about whether Arsene Wenger actually had a demise. Uh, I think that's a matter for opinion. Um, and I definitely don't subscribe to the theory that um, Arsenal Fan TV was, uh, you know, in any way responsible for that supposed demise. But um, I think it's more accurate, really, to say Arsenal's demise rather than Arsene Wenger's demise, you know, from, say, 2006 to present day. And I identified a few things that has happened in that period which has led to this Status. So basically, David Dean leaving in 2007 was a massive thing, in my opinion. Um, David Dean and Arsene Wenger was an unbelievable double act. And, you know, the, the transfer, look at the transfers that were brought in between when Arsene Wenger joined in 96 to 2007. And then look at the transfers 
from 2007 to 2020, and I rest my case. Um, that David Dean leaving, led, you know, Arsene Wenger had so much more work to do as a result of that. Um, and he had lost his edge in the transfer market in terms of he couldn't tap the French market anymore because, um, you know, other clubs in the premiership had come wise to that. Uh, the Gronkies took over, which was one of the worst moments in Arsenal's history. They couldn't care less. Um, their absentee owners, you know, massive problem. Um, the stadium move was a massive mistake in hindsight. I was against it at the time. Put us into massive debts. Um, the financial restrictions that were imposed on the club. You know, the Invincibles team was broken up straight away after that stadium move. And more to that, we had just lost our identity as a club. We lost our soul. The Highbury, Highbury was a fortress and it was a special place to watch football. And to, I don't mean to sound overly dramatic, but we, Arsenal as a football club stopped, you know, they died that day when they moved to the Emirates. And calling it the Emirates as well was an absolute outrageous decision. Who are we? Wigan Athletic and playing at JJB Stadium. My goodness. I'll never forgive Arsenal for that. Honest, but no, it's a serious point, though. Because no, no, is, I understand. Yeah, and I mean, look, even when they tried to call it, when they tried to call it JJB Stadium, like never, no one ever went for that. Like even even pundits were like, "Oh, it really annoys spot. me because it might it felt like a dagger in my heart." Because it was bad enough just doing the stadium move, but calling it the Emirates as well. What has Emirates got to do with Arsenal? And not only that, were the Emirates is owned by the Dubai government, uh, and Dubai is associated with luxury holidays and sporting events, but it's got a reprehensible record in human rights. And it's mm. like, this is just like all the other countries that are trying to use UK institutions to wash their name, like their sports brand, sports washing, basically. It's the same with what Saudi Arabia are trying to do at the moment mm. and Qatar with Man City. I mean, this, the Newcastle takeover got banned, but like you know, Dubai is no better. And also Arsenal have got Fly Rwanda on their shirts now. And it's like, this just confirms my opinion, you know, uh, Rwanda had that genocide a um, number of years ago and it's nothing to do with Arsenal, you know, whatsoever. It's sold out for the money. And it's like, people need to ask serious questions about where they're getting their money from. I, if I was a Man City fan, how would it sit with me, like winning the Premiership? And how would I feel about Arsenal winning the Premiership, you know, with like blood money, as, as GMK calls it? Um <laughs> Yeah, back to the question. Um, just awful recruitment on and off the pitch. Um, on the pitch, using Gronky's company, Stats DNA, to buy Mustafi for £35 million and just awful decisions across the boardroom as well. So Gazidis was dreadful. Raul Snelly was a crook, um, who Tim Lewis came in recently and did a lot of like undercover work and got rid of him straight away. It was um, weird, wasn't it? He just came in, looked at the books, uh, it was like something's not is? right here. Do you know? Uh, he's, he's the Crook. He's, he's a Clifford a Chance partner. And let me tell you, Clifford Chance are like Magic Circle, top dogs. He would be, he's, if you try and think of the most intelligent lawyer ever, he would be up there. Yeah. So it, I'm not surprised at all he, you know, uncovered that. And it was obvious, anyway, that you, the super agent club that we've now become with William Louise. And all this rubbish that we're bringing in from Chelsea, and it's just so dodgy. And so that was obviously why. Um, going back to the question, um, 
Chelsea and Man City came with all of their money, you know, so that obviously changed the goalposts. And also, Arsenal just took a massive gamble, basically, on financial fair play being relevant, and it didn't pay off because it didn't work out. And so all of those reasons combined is why I feel like Arsenal has demise. And it's not correct to say Arsene Wenger's demise. And in fact, Arsene Wenger has actually said that 05 to 16 was arguably his more successful years, uh, rather than 96 to 05 when he won a load of trophies because of the challenging conditions that he had to work under and the financial you know, restrictions and everything. And think about it. He got to the top four every single year. And he, he was actually challenging for the league at least three or four of those um, 10 years and getting to the last stage of the Champions League every year with a team that involved the spine of Almunia, Jurus, Senderos, Alex Song and Bentner who nearly won the league. So it's maybe you could see now that, um, you know, he was probably working miracles, would nearly get him relegated. And so, and as for AFTV being responsible, they're, they're not. But what they are responsible for is making Arsenal fans into an absolute joke. Um, the reason why I say they're not responsible is because there's always going to be other platforms for fans to vent their frustration, like Twitter and radio phone-ins. And, you know, just it would have been done another way. But I'll tell you about DT and Troops, right? For all of the abuse that they've given to Arsene Wenger. Yeah, and it, like, not... Criticism. This isn't criticism of football. This is abuse that goes well beyond um, the line. Yeah, I'm not going to go into specifics, but um, so they've done that for years, yeah. And then both of them, when they were, uh, met him in person in 2017, they went weak at the knees and begged him for a selfie. <laughs> so that sums up what I, how I view AFTV. They, they've got no backbone. And it's, 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 again, similar to the whole um, like troll discussion we are having earlier. How What people are like online or playing up for a video is very different to if they met that person in real life. Mm. And I just feel sad because Arsenal fans worldwide now have been tarnished with this AFTV bet. I'm embarrassed to say I even never supported Arsenal. Um, and Arsenal fans used to be brilliant. Like we're, the Arsenal Football Club used to be about class, tradition, history and prestige and we had a solid fan base yeah and it's like now they've just been the reputation is a joke you know because it's become an internet meme mm. basically and it's i don't know how you feel about that and robbie has i love i love robbie he's, he's i count robbie as a friend yeah but it's like he has to take responsibility too for sensationalizing it and everything um but I mean, look, like, didn't he give, uh, he gave air to your viewpoints? He gave air to yeah, a lot exactly. of other viewpoints. Was it his fault that, like, the most yeah. sensationist ones no, won? No, no, he, he played up to it. He, um, I'm not going to go into specifics, but he is just as guilty. Um, mm, fair. I'll take your word for it since you know a lot more than me on that subject. Mm. But I, I want to move us on because we've talked yeah, a lot about Arsenal course. stuff and yeah. uh, we've got a few more questions. I, I want you to to rattle through these. So do you yeah. ever think, this is from FIT69 in the in the FIG Discord, why the hell did I go to every single game for 19 years and ponder about the wasted time and money now that he is older and life is so precious? And then Harwood from the FIG Discord as well. Uh, if you could, Harwood, Harewood, fuck's sake. Again, always, never would I get his name right, whether he's on the FIG discord or not if you could go back and watch one game which would it be and why so let's knock those two together okay um so in reference to why did i go to what do i regret going to every game and um, for 19 years uh the answer to that is absolutely not and 
you know, the, I have to judge the decisions that they're made at the time rather than now. And I have to also distinguish the question in terms of the old proper Arsenal and the new modern corporate American franchise Arsenal. If I was answering the latter, it would be ultimately no. I mean, it would be, I can't understand why anyone would support Arsenal now. But like back in, when I supported them, there was an honour to support them. It was like, we're a proper football club. And there was a unique, that period between, I mean, I wasn't old enough to appreciate some, but between 89 and 2006, for those 17 years, basically, it was, it was Arsenal at their peak in terms of history. I mean, look at what we did. We won the league at Anfield, Old Trafford, White Hart Lane, unbeaten, uh, champ, Champions League final, many domestic cups and the European trophy as well. And it's like, I made the conscious decision when I was about 18, I was... And I was just basically going to go to every game home away so I could see what was coming. And, um, you know, a quote from Arsene Wenger stuck with me that he would pay or travel to watch this team. And he said that quite early on. And I just thought, oh, fuck it, I'll do that as well then. And uh, <laughs> and I just decided wherever Arsenal go, I'll go. And I look back at my times now and, I, and that was a good decision because I had some of the best moments of my life following that team. Uh, for, you know, for the period... Between 99, when I started having the season ticket, and 05, that was just a magical period. I know we didn't, we underachieved to a certain extent, but still, it's not, it's not about trophies. It's about enjoying watching your team every week and watching football in such a special place as Highbury. And to be honest, even without any trip, just watching Thierry Henry every week was a privilege in itself. He's the best player in the world for like five years, basically. And it, it was simply an amazing period. And just generally in life, I don't look back and think, oh, I wish I'd done now. Maybe we, all, we all have crossroads in our life. So I had a crossroad where I could have been a professional golfer when I was 18 and I decided to go to university and do law. But I don't look back at that and think, oh, I wish I'd done. I look, try and learn for the future. But yeah, so no regrets. Um, no regrets. If I could go back and watch one match again, um, I'll give two answers to this, if I may. So, firstly, the White Hart Lane, 2004. So, uh, the context was that we'd been unbeaten all season and it was near the end. And uh, on the day, we, we could potentially win that league. So, Chelsea was second and they needed to win away at Newcastle um, for us not to have the chance to win the league. And this was my first ever visit to White Hart Lane. Um, and... Yeah, it took like years to basically get the away credits to get to that stage, as you could imagine. And yeah, so obviously very lucky to get that. And then, yeah, I don't know if you've heard about Tottenham Way, if you've ever been to that area before, but it's an extremely hostile area and you should try going there on a derby day against Arsenal. It's basically like a war zone. And I'd been warned not to wear an Arsenal shirt. And so obviously I was wearing something over the top of my shirt, but yeah, just walking down that Seven Sisters High Road, the atmosphere is absolutely electric. And I saw I saw a fat Arsenal fan come out of the tube in a shirt and he just got knocked to the ground immediately. Wow. It's, it's absolutely disgraceful how Arsenal fans were treated at Tottenham away for about 10 years. Um, it's better now, but like, yeah, it was, it was a very intimidating place. And so anyway, went into the pub next to the ground to watch the Chelsea Newcastle game and uh, Chelsea were 1-0 up and so I thought oh, there's no way that uh, we're winning the league today and then um, Newcastle came back and equalised and I literally had to bite my tongue to not celebrate I was in a pub full of Tottenham skinheads with an Arsenal shirt underneath my shirt on a boiling hot day and everyone was like groaning and yeah so and then Shearer scored an absolute screamer 
and literally I was about to burst and whilst everyone was like head in hands and decided to leave before my identity got revealed and yeah so I managed to get into White Hart Lane despite all of the fights and everything and then yeah when the final result from St James's Park came through that um, Newcastle had won it was the atmosphere was electric and we went two and up straight away Tottenham were actually fighting relegation at the time believe it or not um they did come back to draw two all at the end, but we only needed to draw. Um, mm. Lehman, Lehman cost up. I don't know how we won the league and beat with Lehman and goal. He's such a vulnerable, vulnerable keeper. <laughs> but we did it. And so that just, just the whole occasion was amazing to win the league at Tottenham. You know, it was in the first time I'd been there. It was an incredible experience. We were kept in the ground for like an hour and a half after the game and given a police escort of about two or three miles back to Tottenham Hale Tube Station. Oh, what a day. <laughs> what and a day. The other one I'd quickly mention is Madrid away. And basically my, my friend from uni and I made a conscious decision at the start of the 05 06 season to go to every Champions League away game, no matter what. And so we'd just finished university and got our degrees. And um, yeah, that was the season we got to the Champions League final. Um, so we'd gone to Prague, Tun. And uh, Ajax, and then we got Madrid in a draw, and we're like, oh my God. And just to, for context, Arsenal was so bad that year, like in mm. terms of the league. We were, um, I think we were sixth at the time of, of the first leg in February, and we, we ended up finishing fourth, but it was probably a, a worst of a season under Arsene Wenger. We were actually seven to one to win in Madrid, um, which is huge for an Arsene Wenger team. Um, and just to, Remind you of the team who was playing that day. Flamini at left back, Abue at right back, centre back Sandros and Torre. For Real Madrid, they had Ronaldo, the Brazilian one, Zidane, Beckham, Guti, Raul, and Roberto Carlos. And I was there to see us win 1 0. It was like the most amazing night of my life. We were playing at Galacticos after just being hammered by Liverpool the week before. And just Madrid is a great city as well. And I'd really recommend going there if you haven't been already. The one I'd wish I'd been to, I'll stop now, but the one I'd wish I'd been to is obviously Anfield 89. I was too young to even, my first memory of Arsenal was 91, but Anfield 89, it feels like, I feel really unfortunate that I wasn't even old enough to appreciate that. So that's not only the greatest memory in Arsenal's history, but probably English football history. And it really annoys me when people discuss top premiership moments as if division one never existed but like that's like the great greatest ending to a season ever the qpr agrero thing doesn't even come close i mean Q, uh, man city were would have been massive odds on to win that match against 10 men whereas arsenal playing a team that dominated for about 20 years and not lost at home for years and not lost two not home for about 100 years and it was like there were huge odds to win that and to win it with two teams playing against each other at the top, final game, final minute of the match that will never be repeated again. And I would implore anyone to watch um, the Fever Pitch film or 89 the film or read the book because even, even if you're not an Arsenal fan, it's, it's, I really recommend them. Hmm. Um, FI Newbie here from the Fig Discord as well. Uh, is Arteta, if Arteta stays, which it looks like he will, uh, who will benefit at the club from the index? So um, I think the answer to that is basically youth. Um, 
as we've seen the last two games, um, without Willian, we've looked a lot better. And I think so Arteta, too, without Willian. Yeah. Well, they're very lucky wins. Um, it's not convinced me yet that uh, Arsenal are a serious club yet. Might still get relegated. And that, sh- that should be a caveat to my answer that if you're buying Arsenal players on football index, there's a very good chance that they're going to be playing in a non-PB league next season. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Jokes aside, uh, the two that I've identified, although I, w- I wouldn't buy either of them, but like, firstly, Saka is the obvious one. Um, so he's currently buy price of £1.54, the bid price of £1.39. Um, I feel he is a bit touch overrated, if I'm being honest. Um, mm. It's got a bit OTT. He's got no right foot. He can't finish. Um, right he's foot looking didn't look good. too bad against Chelsea. You're joking, and, aren't you? And, Please and, tell and, me you're joking. And against... Please tell um... me you're joking. <laughs> Can you just take that back? Well, it's, it's right for it didn't look bad for the assist last game either. What, a simple, a simple five-yard pass to a free Lacazette? You, and you think he's meant that against Chelsea? Do you know what he's <laughs> every replay? Oh, my no, God. No, he obviously didn't mean it, but like his right he foot isn't bad. It. His right foot isn't it bad. Is. No, can't. it isn't. You know he's going to play for England. His finishing is atrocious. His right foot is not bad. It's not a bad well, no, right foot. I'm not going to be harsh. He's 19. So, but I, I, I detest players that are one-footed. You're a professional football player. You should be... I, it's fine to have a strong foot, but like you should be practising both feet. Well, I mean, y- you should look at the stats on that because even uh, those players you think are quite two-footed, so let's take uh, Adam Lallana, for example, who is you know two-footed, as, as two-footed as you maybe can get, uh, dribbles with both feet, scores 25, 30-yard screamers with his left feet. Uh, he only passes with his left foot once every three passes. So, and that's someone who's very two-footed. So, I think people really overestimate how two-footed footballers are. So, I think it's got plenty of time to develop. Yeah, I'm I'm a very harsh person. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I've looked at his PB scores, and um, he scored over 200 a couple of times in the Europa League, um, but that involved assists and a goal. But generally, his PB hasn't impressed me, um, even after 90 minutes. Um, so, and I don't see the goals and assists being regular enough at the moment. He generally mm. struggles to get to 100 base PB. I don't look at PB average, PB base. And he also picked up a knock against um, Brighton. So I don't even know if he's going to start against West Brom. So I would wait and see. And I just generally for Arsenal assets, I wouldn't even bother at the moment because <laughs> unless you think, where would Saka's dividends going to come from? He's in a crap team and he's not going to win media. So... You he's know, going to have to be something really special to win media, isn't he? Like, it would have to be scoring for England, or something. but he won't. He won't. Um, but I just don't see where the dividends are coming from. And I know it's only one pound thirty nine, so it's basically nothing. But like, every player is one pound thirty nine, so it's yeah. like you know, you just you've got to pick the best from what's available. Not look at the prices, but you pick you know who's going to return the most. And but the the one I prefer is Martinelli. He's got he's more of an X factor. He's got more upside. Mm. I know he's not English, but I prefer him in terms of goals and assists. And that's how PB Matrix works. You've got to get goals, unfortunately. And I don't see Saka scoring. He scored a few at youth level, but that doesn't necessarily translate to senior level. Martinelli just seems like he's got more goal involvement to me. And crucially, he's um, classed as a forward on FI. And Saka is classed as a midfielder. And, you know, the chance of him winning midfielder PB he would have to have probably three goal involvements to do that, given his PB base. Martinelli is admittedly slightly more expensive than Saka, but he just excites me a bit more. He scored, on his debut on Football Index, he scored 280 PB against Standard BH. Then he got two goals and one GWG, but it was still 
like a 117 base. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't go for Arsenal assets. Martinelli, if you have to. That's fair. Uh, I uh, I don't disagree with you there. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't touch Arsenal players at the moment. But that's me, baby. Maybe that's us being like overly biased. If you could like... short Arsenal players, if if shorting with everything on Football Index, honestly, I would just list the whole squad. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't generally do football betting, but because of it's been like quite in December, I have gone into football betting recently. And, um, like I did basically four Arsenal games in a row at the start of December, just laid them on the exchange. Uh, Hugh, Arsenal were loved by the market for some reason. Mm. Um, it's just pretty, yeah, um, this is going out after West Brom, isn't it? I expect Arsenal to win there, but generally, Arsenal are very good lay. Mm. Um, so we just don't create. Um, I think Panda was saying that you know, if uh, it's been they've been the over most overpriced oh, team, my, we went off season. my biggest bet of the century laying Arsenal against Wolves, we went off at odds on. Um, at home to Wolves, and it was just like, why? Um, it's, it, it's not just um, points on the board. It's, it's you look at the XG as well. We're, it's not. Um, it's not pretty. We deserve to be where we are, and it's it's a long term thing. Right, when Arteta came in at the start of the year, it's not just recent. So, and the market seems. I think the Asian syndicates on the betting exchanges seem to love Arsenal for some reason. And I don't, I'm not convinced. The, the price uh, keeps going really low just before kickoff. So if you are going to lay Arsenal, do it right before kickoff. Mm. Um, and the last two results do not show that Arsenal come back. It was extremely lucky against Chelsea, in my opinion. And Brighton was a bit of a non game where they didn't play their strikers. But we'll see. We'll see indeed. We'll see. Yeah, they are. Um, Back to, well, that was kind of FI related. But how, how have you found the last six months on Football Index? So, um, you know, you said it's been part, uh, a big part of your journey has been, you know, nine months or so. But like, how has it been over the last few months uh, since the bad stuff has unfolded? So I'm going to say a controversial answer to this. I'm actually loving Football Index at the moment because the prices are so low. And I've had a great December. Um, my FPL ranking has been rocketing. Um, Football Index, I've been buying premiums at Peanuts getting hundreds, thousands of them in terms of building up work. I've basically got the top 10 premiums now because the price is so low. I've made a conscious decision. I'm just going to back the product. So I realise it's not betting on players anymore. It's backing the product. And for reasons that I'm happy to go into, I am backing the product. And the strategy is basically buying premiums at the moment. Look, the, the whole point of a stock exchange is to be greedy when others are fearful and to be um, you know, a bit more risk averse when others are being you know, buying up. So this is a point in time where, you know, we're in a market where no one is, it's a buyer's market, you know, and we might never see these prices again. I don't expect prices to go up tonight, but like from Easter onwards, anything could happen. Now, football index will click at some point before the Euros, I think. And people buying now are going to be sorted long-term in my opinion. Um it depends. Look, that if prices went up tonight, like suddenly if they announce something, the only thing that gives me is a bit more security and the opportunity to sell if I wanted to. But I don't want to sell. I want to buy. I'm still want to build up my portfolio. And this is a unique time for football index users, in my opinion. So people, you know, I, I mean, one of my bugbears when I joined, I felt a bit annoyed that I'd missed out on like not being on it 
previous three years when it was like everyone was a winner. But I feel like now is that opportunity again where people keeping faith now are going to be rewarded in the long term. Mm. And, you know, um, I'll, I'll say a couple of reasons why I've, I've come to that conclusion. So firstly, just compare, comparing with bookmakers, like bookmakers, no, there's like a 90 to 95% chance of losing in the long term, in my opinion, based on their stats. And uh, with with football index now, if you're buying in, it's the opposite. It's, I would say is there's probably a 90 95% chance on any player if you're buying for the first time. And even if you're successful with bookmakers, you're talking about like 50% either way. And it's like you're probably losing 10% overall. Um, you know, because of the bookmaker's edge, even if you're doing, you know, win, lose, win, lose. So, and think of who you're up against as well. Like bookmaker, you're competing against a professional trader who's got algorithms and spreadsheets and highly sophisticated software. If you want to know who you're competing against on Football Index, just look, log on to Football Index Facebook and read some of the comments and that might give you some confidence. So you're essentially trading against those people. It's basically, you know, you're you're competing against John Smith, who's trading on his opinion on a footballer, not a sophisticated algorithm or model. Yeah. And maybe he's just had a pint down a pub and you've got a different opinion to him on football. And the as I said before, a community is is extremely reactionary. You're talking about a community that crashed the market because Neymar got a red card. And it's like this, it's just way too short term. And it's like, there's so many opportunities. But that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't just because of Neymar though. I know it's a build up, I know. know. It wasn't just because of Neymar. It was, it it, it was more, you know, the mechanics were flawed. And, you know, I'm sure you understand, you know that, of course. But like, I know. But yeah, my my other point was that there's many strategies to win on FI. Yeah. Um, Whether it's IPDs, youth premiums, the sub one pound market. You could have a portfolio of goalkeepers. You'd probably still have a great portfolio. And you've got the PB machine. And, you know, I think everyone that's buying in now is going to be successful. And, yeah, I mean, the bookmakers, on the other hand, look at Denise Coates. Her salary mm. for three for 2019 was uh, $323 million, which is basically getting just under $1 million per day. She's got a net worth that's bigger than Richard Branson. The six point nine million or something. So, I know which platform I would rather be betting on. Messi earns twenty six million a year, so you know um, there's opportunities on this platform despite all of its flaws. Um, and bookies are not interested in long term winning. Um, long term winners, excuse me. Um, and the stakes are severely restricted, or your accounts are suspended if you show any signs of being a winner. There's no limits on FI. You're not suspended if you're a winner. You know, you could get anything on this platform, potentially. And just looking at the current prices and the odds of those prices, I feel that, um, I mean, you can buy whoever you want. But like, generally, I feel that you can make a good case that every player, well, a lot of players are about 5x undervalued. So the reason I say that is that... Um, I felt that at the previous prices, you know, like Sancho between ten and fifteen pound, whatever, that was still undervalued, and then dividends doubled, and then the prices since then have, have basically halved or more, like the, you know, they're thirty percent. So all of that roughly adds up to about five x 
you know, give or take for each player. We said, I mean, I brought up, I'll give you an example, Sancho. I just did a big top up on him at £3.90 um, last week. And he's won £2.76 in 2020 alone. So he's covered his current price 70% in dividends in one year. And, um, you know, he hasn't even moved yet. Um, I think he'll return that price I paid him about 18 months. And after that 18 months, he's still got 10 or 15 years of his career, plus whatever price he is. And so basically, I feel like I'm betting on something which has got the chances of a 10 to 1 on shot with the payment of a 10 to 1 shot. I know those are those figures aren't exact, but that's like you you get my gist. And it's like yeah, and with it's it's extremely unlikely that you're going to lose your stake as well. Whereas with a bookmaker, it's black and white, you know, it's you either you win or you lose. Whereas it's, it'd be very hard to lose at the current prices. You're basically, as I said, you're basically betting on the company. And so um if we are going to just brief very, very briefly speak about the company, um Firstly, I just want to point out the relationship between like the community and FI, which I view as very positive. Um, so I've mentioned how like there's highly intelligent people in, in the community and like how FI gets in this um, free consultancy. And you know, they it's also a massive positive that they're open in the first place to receiving this kind of feedback and acting on it. And it's, it feels very much like a two-way relationship. And it's not PR. They actively implement like, the suggestions that we're you know, making at these trader forums or whatever. And there's some people in really senior positions like they're active traders on FI. So that gives me confidence in itself. And yeah, I've spoken about the trust issue. I just feel like we need to trust FI now based on their previous track record and hope that they use the information they have to implement the necessary stuff to make this platform grow and um we i feel like we need to be humble and realize that we don't know everything we're very much outsiders and um a couple of things i think this company is actually growing um so they've recently recruited a few people in senior positions which people not, might not be aware of so there was oh, i'm just trying to remember this so they, they've definitely in september they got in like a senior uh, council lawyer um, who's about five years qualified. And they brought in that client, no, no, the communications experts who's been to Uni of Cambridge um, in September and also um, senior account guy who's like in charge of the VIP account. So I, can't, we're ba- I, I feel that the price is now People are worried that FI are about to go bust, but that's not the case at all. I put the odds of FI going bust about 100 to 1 at the moment. The company is about to go bust, does not recruit a load of new people. And look, we don't know what the FI finances are. So a private company, but by all, by all guesses, they are in rude financial health. I mean, you look at the Times report recently, that ranking thing where they said that they're in good health. Um and a look at FI's communications where they say they're in good health. And also, I mean, they're not in, they're not making money now. There's not a good period for them at the moment. But um, I think over the course of 2020, I think you'll find that they've had a good year. 
I mean, I don't, I'm not completely deluded. I, I mean, <laughs> some people might argue, having seen me on Arsenal Fan TV, they're probably thinking this deluded ginger, shut up. But uh, <laughs> trust me, no one analyzes risk more than me. Mm. Like, I mean, that's your background, right? It's your job. And, you know, um, there are like, a couple of things that maybe people haven't mentioned um, from a negative and risk standpoint that I could very quickly touch upon now. Not that I wish to fear monger, but just to show that I have a balanced opinion and to just put my legal hat on for a moment and just point out a couple of things that, you know, should be considered. Um, firstly, I agree with the majority of everything that's already been said, and I don't intend to repeat all of that because it's already been well documented. Um, but firstly, the Gambling Act 2021. So that's coming soon. And what will that mean for FI? I've got what no is idea. that? So I was just about to say, that I've got no idea what it's okay. going to be because um, it hasn't been published yet. There's only been like working groups from the Gambling Commission and everything. Nobody knows but it's coming and there's going to be a big shakeup in my opinion, because the last gambling act was 2005, which is, that is 15 a long, long, years long, ago. Long, long ago. The betting industry has come a long way since then. It's transformed completely in terms of firstly, um, the, the way that it's, uh, the product is used in terms of the digital aspect, you know, on the phone and, you know, it's basically all online now. Nobody goes into a betting shop anymore. So the way that we bet has been massively transformed and also the different products and markets and, and you know, companies like FI, you know, it's completely revolutionized um, since 15 years ago. So the, but the, the type of things that might come in are potentially stuff like, you know, you need to show that you're able to lose more than £100 in a day or a month or show you have the means to take a loss over £100. There's going to be a lot more know-your-customer due diligence. Mm. It's probably There's probably going to be a crackdown on problem gamblers, which is still an issue, um, possibly no VIP or loyalty schemes, um, deposit protection for co- consumer funds, which might be a good thing for FI. Um, there might be online stake limits. TV ads might be banned. Um new customer thresholds, crackdown on free bets. And who knows what impact this is going to have on FI. And by the way, this isn't my professional opinion. I'm merely speculating based on a, yeah. a bit of research. I've got no idea what's coming, but that all is all logical stuff based on um, you know, what's been happening over in the industry over the last couple of years. But I will say this, that this isn't immediate. This isn't my primary concern. This is just something that's coming. So mm. basically Brexit is going to, really delay this in my opinion it was already meant to be out in 2020 but it's been delayed and so they've got enough to deal with at the moment this might even go to 2022 so they've got brexit covid national insurance invest national security investment bill coming i don't see gambling as a priority at the moment but they might do but it will still take a year or so to actually implement once they've worked yeah. it and everything there's a lot there's a long way to go but it's coming but yeah what's of more immediate concern to me is um the potential for a fine or a license taken away. So, um, you know, the Gambling Commission doesn't mess around. And if you look, nearly every major operator has been hit at some point, no matter who they are. And so um, we had Betway um, 2019, they got a record fine. I think it was 11.6 million. I think that was basically... Um, anti-money laundering procedures and uh, not dealing with problem gamblers effectively, like when they've self-excluded. Um, and they're obviously an established company. And 
I think every major operator has been hit at some point. But I mean, Matchbook, who are um, similar to Betfair um, in the exchange, they they had their UK and Ireland license uh, suspended between February and October this year, I think it was. And they got a fine. And um, I think that was due to non-compliance with um, AML as well and not excluding like, customers properly. And this can happen at any moment. I'm not saying, it w- I'm not trying to scare them, I'm just saying uh, this could happen. At, it wouldn't surprise me if at like five o'clock today and, you know, FI got banned. It would surprise got, me if it was five o'clock today and New Year's no, Eve. Not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> but also look at Sportstack. Like some of the FI community were celebrating that, but I feel that that was a bit naive because yeah. the Gambling Commission is obviously cracking down and FI isn't that dissimilar. And... You know, FI is a very complex product. And so, um, you know, I question how much the Gambling Commission actually understands of mm. FI. What, I wouldn't put it past them to put an investigation into it to one suspend. I mean, and I really worry about that because if they did suspend, that would, it's not just the suspension, but it's the, the reputational damage. Because look, if Skybet or someone was, Bet365 got suspended, the, they'd be fine. They're, they're, they wouldn't care the gamblers, they'd just go somewhere else. But with F- if I if I got suspended, uh, I really worry about traders' mindset after that. And so, you know, we'll talk about a very reactionary community that's already, you know, in a lot of difficulty in terms of trusting FI. So um, but I want to also say a good thing as well to reassure people in that I believe that. FI probably does have a good relationship with the Gambling Commission, considering that they've, you know, become a tier one operator. And, you know, they've d- my one piece of advice would be, if anyone was listening, that, to make sure that the compliance team and the general counsel team was recruited. And on- so I didn't even know until I did my research they had anyone from it in a legal capacity. And so that reassures me that they've got someone that's good. He And he is good as well, judging from his experience. So Reynolds, Porter, Chamberlain, I think this firm was... They're a top 40 law firm and he's got experience at game seasons in house council as well. So he's a good, he's a good person to have in. And, you know, I'd, uh, but that, that to me is a risk. You know, that's, if you're talking to me about FI going bust, I would say long odds against, but this, I would say there's a bit more chance. And But I'd, there's going to be a lot of regulation coming up and FI just need to be careful and keep on top of it. Mm. We've got a question here from the, uh, the the Discord forum. Uh, why is he positive about the future? FI has been talking about NASDAQ for two years and still no word of when it will arrive. You've referenced some of the reasons you're positive, but let, let's get into that a bit more. You know, uh, NASDAQ being coined as this kind of saviour for the index, especially from a tech perspective, and also any other reasons you might feel really positive about the product. So it's, um, it's actually a very good question. And I wasn't aware that um, FI had been promising NASDAQ for two years. Um, but I'm still not sure why it's considered with so much weight um, compared to other issues. I get that why NASDAQ could potentially be good, even though I'm still not sure why people think it's going to bring so much to the platform. So from my perspective, I think it will probably make the website slicker, give Triple index and more brand recognition, which in turn leads to more marketing opportunities, and it would probably improve the tech. But it's not going to make Sancho or Messi play better or have better dividend yields. You know, it's still going to be the same on that. And so perhaps 
I think people people are always going to have something to moan about or want. So once all this is done, like Nasdaq liquidity, everything else, it will be the next issue. You know, like when are we expand into Germany, you know, or something like. There'll always be something. So I am wary of that. That there'll always be an issue. Um, even though I accept the point, it's not good that there's been no updates. I feel that I mean they'd probably say something if they could, but like this isn't a good time for business at the moment. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. And so I don't know, I'm not making excuses for them, but I can understand. And look, I'm not in the know. I'm not I don't work there. I, I can't provide the answer to that question. But from from an outsider's perspective, you asked me what you know, is there anything else positive? And I would just say, mention the passion for this product, even though it's the, it's the sentiment is low at the moment. I do know when the sentiment returns, this thing is going to absolutely fly. And um, people are extremely passionate. If you look at the amount of work that you do, that other podcasters do, that, um, you know, the Football Index uh, data sites do, people put their whole lives into this thing and energy. And people generally want it to be successful and they're providing feedback to FI. And so, you know, once these things are fixed, it's going to be an amazing platform to be on. And the thing that one day, one day before the Euros, it, something will click and will the whole index will be green. So I wasn't around for the share split. So maybe you could um, say it in a bit more detail. But my understanding was that... Um, you know, every player was basically flashing green and it was a great evening. Mm. So just watching insane rises. And the, the one moment for me that really, saw, I saw that as one player, which I think is going to happen at some point for the whole, most of the ind- index, is uh, the first game back after COVID. So basically month, like three or four months of no football. So if, I don't know if you remember, it was Borussia Dortmund versus yeah. Schalke. And when Erling Haaland scored, which was basically like, you know, just a normal goal outside for inside the area. Oh my gosh. It was absolutely obscene. Just what I just watched it. I didn't own, but like it was amazing just to see that bit. The ticker was a blur. You couldn't even read his name. It was just, you could <laughs> vaguely make out 300. But like it was just like flashing green nonstop for most of the match. He didn't even win PB. He scored again. It was just, he must, I think he rose from like six pounds to nine pounds or something like that. And it was just, I, I think that there's so much frustration that's been built up over the last two or three months. So when there is an, uh, there is an announcement or fix or something, it's not going to be a promotion, but it's going to be something before the Euros, in my opinion, maybe the Champions League um, knockout stages, that that moment will happen again. Because I know what this index, the, the, the crowd is like. Yeah, I think there is such appetite for this product, isn't there? That is the that is the ov- the overwhelming sense that I get from pretty much every guest that comes on from a lot of social media. People are gagging for this thing to work also, out. Also, people who come crawling back, I promise you, I've seen it already. People that say, "Oh, sold them, buy," you know, they'll come crawling back when this thing rockets. In my opinion, mm. yeah, I, I hope so um, for the people that have stayed on. Um, but you never know. Let, let's see. Um, I think there is, you know, there is something regulatory going behind the backgrounds. I know that FI have massively increased their, their team in that department um, from March this year onwards, probably in kind of anticipation of those kind of things. But uh, it, it's interesting the, the kind of uh, career bet thing might be 
something that multiple regulators might have to look at simultaneously, which obviously makes FI's life harder, doesn't it? Mm. Well, you, is the, the issue of that it can't be unlimited, can it? It needs to be no. like type to be a bet. But also, what I mean, I don't know if you remember, but um, Adam Cole in one of his last um, sort of like updates, he mentioned about FI getting financially regulated and going down that yeah. route. So it's all there's so much up in the air at the moment, and so you know we we'll have to wait and see. Basically, um, mm. it's hard for me to pass comment when I don't even know what direction they're taking it. They've just changed CEO, and so well, what you do you know, make of that? I understand why, because, um, you know, Adam's Cole, Adam Cole's name, I love him, Adam Cole, but his name took a hit, you know, because of, you know, people kept putting that photo on Twitter where he promised NASDAQ by September, whatever it was. There's too many promises that didn't go well, but I miss him, to be honest. And he gave me some reassurance, you know, not just because of his age, but just, you know, listening to him on podcasts and everything. I don't know, Mike, you know, I don't, I'm not going to pass judgment either way. Um, but I, I sort of agreed with you and Panda put it much better than me and you're both much more experienced than me when you discussed it in the pod the, I think it was the night of the um, changeover um, where you set out very logically and good reasons why you thought it was happened and I basically agreed with all of that mm. and I would I mean it's unfair for me to say anything about Mike Bohan where we don't even we haven't really even heard from him yet or you know seen any actions but it would give me more confidence if I was to see like an established big gun CEO for expert fair or whatever, just, you know, come in and take reins and take this to the moon, you know? Mm. But I didn't, maybe Mike can do that. I mean, give him a chance. And, it, and is it difficult for someone to come from the outside to, to yeah. kind of take this thing by the well, horns? Well, that's why I worry about the new, um, the new recruits, because I just think there's so much to learn. And they're obviously working from home at the moment, so they don't have that interpersonal office chat. Mm. Yeah, they're working remotely, and you know, it's too. I, I'm one of. I mean, I've got strengths and weaknesses, but like one of my strengths is picking up things very quickly, and it's a prerequisite of my job. And it took me a good month or so to get FI, you know, get on top of it. And I worked. I did a lot of due diligence. I worked really hard, uh, and I, I shouldn't have to work that hard to get, you know, on top of a gambling product. But I had to do that, and it's like, and I've also learned so much in the last six months as well, and so. As I said to you earlier, that knowledge is priceless, and it's they haven't think, got that. Do you think that's an issue? The complexity, yeah, massively. But I will say this: like the onboarding process has improved um, since when I joined. The, it seems a bit slicker now. I think actually you were part of that. That you know, I think there's a trader <laughs> panel shortly after I joined where it simplified the process a bit. But yeah, there's so many like discrepancies, like the deadline, for example. You know, there's no, it's it's overly complex. You know. And it's just the new, I mean, I love learning about the nuances because it's given me an edge, but like it's on new user. If any new user is listening to this, which is highly unlikely considering the state of the market, but if there are new users, don't go all in on the first month or don't, you know, really monitor the market and learn what drives a player's price, like buy and sell rather than and understand, you know, why play. I mean, it's, it's impossible now because the prices aren't reflective of football. When the market is functioning again, monitor it then to see what is happening. Um, but yeah, it does need it does need dumbing down because football is a working man's game. And although we've got some highly intelligent people in the community, that doesn't represent like all football index users. And yeah. 
the football fans that I've mixed with, they're about as thick as two blanks. So um, we need to appeal to them as well as the big guns. And so, but even the big guns will want things simplified. They don't want to have to spend a load of time. You know, they've got better things to do than learn about fucking VWAP and all of that stuff. Um, we still talk about the product. I want to talk about football, you know. Um, uh, it shouldn't be us, up to us to, to figure the product out. It should be up to us to figure out the best footballer. Yeah. Figuring out the best bets, not the best way to, to improve this thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about what you want to talk about is in terms of uh, you know best footballers and, and and that kind of thing in the second half of the show. But just before we move on, I need to remind you that this show is brought to you by The Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage featuring football reporters you know and love like David Ornstein, James Pierce, Sam Lee and Rafa Honigstein. The Athletic is telling stories you won't find anywhere else. No ads or clickbait, just great sports writing. So for 50% off your annual subscription to the best sports writing round, go to theathletic.co.uk slash fig. And it's £2.49 a month if you go for annual deal. Uh, you bought anything recently that cost more than £2.49? Um, Spice Girls Greatest Hit album. <laughs> Sorry, that was just a side note. Um, I bought uh, two things. So I bought Arsene Wenger's book, which will keep me company during lockdown. And I also finally managed to get some dumbbells, which actually might be useful for any traders that are interested in working out at home. So it's been a real struggle to get some weight so I'm very much into gym but I think they're going to be shut for months to be honest so we're in tier four and listening to the politicians it sounds like it's going to be until well for a while so yeah there's a website called Mirafit M-I-R-A-F-I-T and they sell quality weights and dumbbells at a very reasonable price which is unlike everywhere else like Amazon and all of those but there's been selling it for a thousand pounds per dumbbell whatever so yeah, I'd recommend that company. Awesome. Uh, I think uh, that's that's a nice plug. I was searching it on my phone as you were right uh, as you were saying. <laughs> um, Fi Charlie here. Nicola Pepe's game is obviously quite well suited to PB. Do you think he'll ever be able to cement the start, spot in Arsenal's starting eleven? So yeah, that's a really good question. And first point I'd like to make on that is Pepe is literally the perfect advertisement for Football Index. So. If you, I had to look at um, what happened in that, you'll probably know what I'm referring to, those 11 days um, at the end of November. So on 22nd of November, Sunday, he got sent off against Leeds. Uh, his buy price was £1 and 2 pence. So you could probably bid about 60p for him, I'm guessing. Uh, four days later, he won... Um, on the 20, 26th of November, he won 28p Gold Starman against Mulder. And he got 288pb... And uh, with one game week goal, game week winning goal, um, and his price went up to one pound seventy three. And um, then one week later, on the following Thursday, he won another gold positional, not star, just positional um, win against Rapid Vienna with no goals. And his price stayed roughly the same at one pound sixty six. So. He won that uh, 42p in PB, plus he picked up two media wins in that period, taking his overall dividend total to 52p. So overall in 11 days, the price had gone up about 70%. So total return, 122% in 11 days. And to be honest, that could be double if he managed to bid and then sold. Uh, so obviously, look, no, and actually quite a few people did that, so I saw a few screenshots. 
Um, so, you know, it just shows you the potential of FI that you could be making 100 or 200% on these players, potentially. You know, get, that type of run is obviously not going to happen within a week normally, but it could happen if you just bought on low sentiment, which is my strategy and held for a few months until, you know, it did come. And yeah, to answer the question a bit more specifically, um, it wasn't a massive surprise because he's, he is an absolute PB machine. He's always on corners and set pieces and obviously he took a penalty here and also his class as a forward, which is, you know, good for his PB prospects. Football-wise, personally, I think he deserves to be in the teams. Arsenal struggle for goals massively and he is one with an X factor. I, I actually rate him. I don't buy the theory that he's a flop. Um, he provides significant potential for goals and assists. Um, he's got much more upside. That, like William, he can be sold in January as far as I'm concerned. He can fuck off to Dubai. You know, he went to Dubai in the middle of a pandemic just to get a stake. He did, yeah. I saw that. I'm pretty sure there's something going on with uh, the Brazilian cases that have come out uh, COVID-wise recently and all of them doing something together. I'm certain of it. Edison, uh, Willian, David Luiz, Gabriel uh, and Gabriel Jesus. I'm pretty sure a lot of the Brazilians in the Premier League have met up at some point over the Christmas break and that's how they've all got it. Yeah, but also they they celebrate uh, they celebrate Christmas on Christmas eve don't they so and players train on christmas day and they got tested on christmas day so i was like two and two together no one's talking about that but i'm pretty sure there's something going on there and i'm not a conspiracy theorist i just think you are a conspiracy theorist <laughs> <laughs> you are you're a shit star aren't you <laughs> no, you're right i i agree with you to be honest and that's why you asked me why i don't support arsenal anymore how can anyone support arsenal after signing william for 250k a week in the middle of a global pandemic when we've just let go of a load of staff and uh, cut everyone else's wages, but we can find money to sign a Chelsea reject that's got no motivation to play for this club at two quarters of a million a week just so he can keep his restaurant in London and his passport. And it's like, look at the, his performances. Uh, this isn't me speaking with the benefit of hindsight. I was fuming when they signed it. Not that I support Arsenal, anymore, but you get my gist. It's just like... It's, sign of modern Arsenal and he's not the first but the same applies to Ozil who's basically modern day Winston Bogard or Bamiyang who's down tools now um, Louise another Chelsea reject honestly if Frank Lampard was sacked by Chelsea as manager Arsenal would try and sign him as a midfielder that's what I think Chelsea look we're fucking signing Diego Costa we're not signing Diego Costa don't get well, it yourself no, but I'm no, just saying, no, no, no. To be linked to them is, is atrocious. He hates Arsenal. But like, who's 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 linked him? The papers. Yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just. Uh, You're pulling my just, leg. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it's it genuinely in the news. I don't think it'll happen. But I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's that's the type of signings they're going for. I would look. I would actually consider supporting Arsenal again if they signed Turkey and Ayushish and Mbappe. It shows some fucking ambition and get two. Yeah, it can happen. The, That's delusion. Know, That's no, delusion. There's, there's a Killian and Mbappe. Killian and Mbappe is I've already not. Worked out how? How have you worked out how? We sell the fucking Emirates. Uh, no, because uh, we replace Arteta with Tuchel 
Yeah, and two no. is super, super popular. No, PSG. bring Neymar or Mbappe. <laughs> Why? We're going to let go of Verzel and Willian. Pay use the wages to pay them. They, what, and and have them London. have them not even play in Europe. Come on, that's we're ridiculous. in the Europa League. No, but I'm Europa I'm League. I'm calling I'm calling. It's about time. It's I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on to the next question before we get into it. Too much. I didn't answer the gentleman's question, so I, I wouldn't well, buy him personally. We've already discussed Arsenal assets, but to answer his point about not playing, yeah, I wouldn't get too hung up about that because there's games every three days at the moment, especially for teams in Europe. No one's going to be playing full time. Like only. Like Kimmich and James Ward Prowse and Maguire are going to be playing 90 minutes non stop. And so, yeah, but there's a lot of competition for forward places at Arsenal as well. So, yeah, it's a no buy, even though he had that massive streak. Mm. Question here from Old Man FI from the Fig Discord Which player on the index offers most value right now? And I've seen a couple of threads from you on Kylian Mbappe and Joshua Kimmich, both really enjoyable. So, talk me through this question. Every player. But that's the obvious answer. Some will obviously return a lot more than others. Um, Sancho, it has, and it's not even close. Um, I've already discussed uh, his current... So I bought him at 390. His current price is £4.33, I think. You could bid him at. Um, yeah, 433 to 4.60 is his current price. And look at the rank... I don't just look at the price. Look at the rankings as well. He's currently sixth. What the hell? He should be king, man. It's like... Uh, <laughs> I thought you said Kimmich should be king. No, no. I was just winding you up. Um, no, but I was right in that, by the way. He's, he's been second for ages, but they were the one that took the piss out of me. Kim, Kimmich was 14th when I made that prediction. Yeah. And now he's second, so... I mean, you know. circumstances is probably... Uh... No, but I foresaw those circumstances because I saw at the start of the season that MB wasn't going to be a thing because we had PB That's football fair. every single day. And Kimmich is the youngest PB beast. There's only three players on the index that could win PB by turning up without scoring or winning or assisting. And that's Neymar, Messi and Kimmich. And Kimmich is the youngest and he's been on fire. And yeah, I don't, you know, obviously market dynamics has played a part in that as well. But, you know, anyway, back to the answer to the question. Yes. Sancho, um, he's won 276 in 2020 alone. Um, in my view, he's almost certain to return this summer to the Premiership, especially because of I think this COVID Christmas thing, where he's had to stay will enhance that even more because I think he'll be homesick by now, and especially during a pandemic. And you know, capital appreciation potential on him. I've already outlined like the, the dividend yield, how I think it will be returned in about eighteen months, and so he he would be my bet for um, like most, you know, the best total return in terms of most dividends Bruno or Messi um, in terms of uh, something more left field a few youngsters that I've identified not just youngsters through pumping because of their age but because they have a really strong PB game and they just need a goal to actually win so Curtis Jones uh, Bellingham who've been popping up with, they've both been popping up with near 200s without a goal recently you'll laugh but Cherokee um if he starts, if he, he needs 90 minutes, but he's peep, you got a 120 through nothing in about 60 minutes, and he's, he looks so good when he comes on. And Ayushis as well. I mean, he won PB just in one half, and he's currently eight, 71 to 80p. I don't know if you've seen those tables about um, most big 
chances created in Europe or something. He's right up there, even though he's hardly even playing for Etienne. The problem with those two is obviously like not playing 90 minutes. But yeah, if you're willing to sit and hold. Fair enough. I mean, lots of different uh, variances of the same answer in terms of like who is value based on different uh time frames which is which is great i mean for you your personal strategy and fi strategist has a question here uh from the fig discord try and sum up your plan with your foot with football index for you into one minute um what is your thesis what is your strategy you mentioned earlier it was better on the company but player wise if we're if you're kind enough to invite me back to the pod next news even 2021 my plan then will be to have a 10 million portfolio and be sipping cocktails in Brazil at Neymar's, Neymar's New Year's Eve party and discussing his latest PB win like with a group of Brazilian models around us. That That's like my plan. But in reality, um, I'm putting what money I do have into premiums at the moment. So I see them as best value, both in terms of capital appreciation and in terms of um, winning dividends. I don't really see the point of putting anything in youth at the moment, although I am, uh, you know, keeping an eye on the youth, because that youth surge is going to come at some point, but I don't think it's imminent, so Easter at the earliest, but it's it's very hard to time, but that surge will come. Um, But Why do you think it's not imminent? Because I I don't see the prices going back up until after COVID. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of the economy is getting back again, people have more confidence. So I've already mentioned how I feel that COVID has a deeper impact on people's psychological behaviour, especially men that they're willing to admit, you know, on social media or in person. And you know, though hopefully people will be less risk averse once you know this awful pandemic has passed. Um, but even without the COVID and everything, it's, you look at the premiums now and the walls that are in front of them. So apart from Jal Felix, they all have a very long way to go. So so, so Shancho is like £4.30 and then his average buy price is like £8.50 or something like that. So, and, you know, there's not much, as quick as they came down, they can quickly go back up. And I just know what FOMO is like on this platform. And so, you know, you can buy players under a pound, but they won't be max. They'll be going up to two or three pounds, whereas the premiums will be going from, you know, three or four pound now up to, you know, circa under or over 10 pounds. So it's quite an easy decision at the moment. And also you want the dividend wins because that's the only way to make money at the moment. And the premiums offer uh, the best chances of those PB wins. Mm -hmm. But long-term, I hope that FI has become going to become a lot more mainstream. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, um, Sky Sports News ticker is going to have the players' prices. I mean, did you see Football 365 today? Um, yeah, Bruno, that was weird. Bruno um, had a media article linked to F365, and they've obviously got all of that. So that's pretty good. I mean, I don't know how often people click these things and whether marketing is even wise at the moment. Um, yeah, and at the Brighton Arsenal game the other night, there was a... Um, Football index advertising hoarding. Mm. That's obviously under an old deal, but um, new users are obviously like hugely important to the growth of this platform. But you know that that isn't possible until sentiment returns in some way. 
But I do think that if I will revolutionise the gambling world, you know, once it's fixed and people realise how good it is and how much fun it is, people underestimate the fun aspect of it. That's also why I say conviction premiums, because it's just a lot more fun. Like I personally got a lot more satisfaction, even if it wasn't as financially rewarding, out of like Messi or Kimmich or someone like that will name my winning PB. And I do say, you know, one of the trades I did was, you know, like Turkey and then selling at a higher price. That Even though if that's more financially rewarding, it doesn't really feel like I'm, I'm playing a platform rather than football knowledge. And it doesn't feel like, you know, a true win. Yeah, I think just going back a little bit, you know, this kind of dividend strategy right now is great if you can if you can kind of shift to that. Um, and the thesis of like betting on the players that are going to win the most divs immediately and betting on the company, I guess that's the that's the immediate th- thesis for you. Mm. What's your answer to those questions, by the way, in terms of, um, you know, uh, who do you think offers the most value at the moment? So I want this to be a you know, a two-way conversation. Sure. It shouldn't just be all, all me. I'm interested. This, this, to be honest, this is the first conversation I've ever had with a human <laughs> being about football indexes. You don't realise how good it is to speak to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why I'm keeping you busy. For, like this podcast will be quite long. This- no, no, it's completely fine. There's been longer. There's been shorters. Um, I think personally speaking right now because the dividends are so big if you have players that are between 20 26 27 who offer huge percentage returns or even their own price currently in a year and you can re-buy other players with those dividends that you've got i think though that is one area where i see really big value another area i see in big value is who do i think are going to be the players that do really well when fi is back on its feet um, those are the two kind of areas that I think personally offer most value right now. I don't know if that makes sense. And I also think that fits into strategist one minute. <laughs> yeah, perfectly does. So would you buy Mbappe if he came to Arsenal? Yeah, but that's never going to happen. If that happens, <laughs> I'll shut down I'll shut down Fig. It could do. I wouldn't say ever. Never. I think there's a less than if we got 0. Two, 1 no, we need to get chance. Cool. We're, we're not going to get too cool and who would want too cool why would you want too cool it's just been sacked from psg the last guy Sorry. we got who got sacked from psg was awful he's got more credentials than arteta yeah but he's the spanish tony pulis mate <laughs> is there anything else that you want to talk to talk to me about in terms of fi like any any other business that you haven't mentioned already um so there was a couple of questions from the patrons there, but you wanted to save them, I guess. Or yes, that's for the uh, okay. that's that's an exclusive bit of content for okay. the patrons. Okay, um, but anything to to the wider audience. What I would say um, is that just in terms of mental well being, because I can see like on the like the Twitter feed and everyone, and I'm obviously like. I said that I'm enjoying the platform because of the low prices, but I'm still a bit like sad about where it is at the moment. And but what I would say is there's much more to life than football index and football generally, and also making money. Um, as much as I believe this thing will turn around, I wouldn't let your life be dictated by your portfolio value. To be honest, I'm not even checking like the daily prices and portfolio value, which is there's no point at the moment. And, you know, you basically have to make a decision. Are you going to back FI as a product? And if you are, then just play it cool. And it's like, this thing will turn around and it will be glorious when it does. And, you know, 
there's, a, there's I think there is, um, I mean, we spoke about it under a question earlier where someone asked about whether I regret, you know, going on um, to all those Arsenal matches and everything. But like, I don't regret anything in terms of like going on football index or anything. And, you know, um, I think those buying now and maintaining faith in a platform long term will be rewarded, hopefully. Um, but yeah, just just disengage from the platform and do something else for a while if, if, it, if people are finding it too difficult. Well, thank you very much for joining me, mate. Uh, it's been a great pleasure having you on. A bit longer than anyone expected, I'm presuming. Uh, maybe not yourself, since this is the first person you've talked to in real life. <laughs> well, I hope, I hope um, I wasn't too deluded for the, the listeners. And uh, A little bit on the Mbappe you. bit. <laughs> and maybe and maybe a little is actually nice. Happen. I was trying to impose You said it's possible, which is delusion. No, but oh, I want to Arsenal to show some ambition. Yeah. Uh, it's about time they stepped up. We're the eleventh richest club in the world, and they're acting like Wigan. <laughs> it's about time there was a winning mentality at Arsenal and putting getting Mbappe or Neymar put us back on the map. And why is that deluded? Yeah, we should be fighting up for Sancho or Haaland. We should be in for them. So too. I, I agree. Well, we should be we should be aggressively pursuing more of like the the elite youth. And I think exactly. you know, to be fair, the likes of Hisuemoir, I, I kind of place them in in that category. They're um, not elite. Elite. We're not talking about the top top players, though. We're like you know the the, the elite youth is Haaland and Sancho and, and Mbappe. I'm talking about them. We need to get back on this. We're a complete irrelevance in the football world. We're, we're huge in terms of global fan base and stadium and prestige, but in history, but in terms of football relevance, we're absolutely nothing. We're often we're not a serious football club. Mm, um, you know, we I'm going to stop us. To, I'm going to stop yeah, because people sorry. are going to get bored. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, happy, happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well, everyone yeah. as well who's listening. Where could people find out more about you? They can't. I've suffered enough social media abuse over the years. I'm staying quiet. No, I'm joking. Uh, Ginger Dex. Actually, I laughed a lot when you and Panda tried to pronounce my name. So one of you said Ging Dex and one of you said Ginger Dex. And there's no real way of pronouncing it. It's just Ginger and Index mixed together. But yeah, uh, Ginger Dex. <laughs> Brilliant. If you guys are commuting right now, which I hope you're not doing, uh, then stay safe. If you're not commuting, doing whatever you're doing, have a great day uh, doing whatever you're doing. So I really get to answer all your questions. As always, there's quite a few. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Fitcast in 2021. Hopefully, it's a better year for the index. Thank you very much, everyone.